0: Welcome to Ghost Keeper, where you may check in, but never check out. Hey there DFM family, this is episode 19, what we like to call, so, you want to go snowmobiling. Carrie, what movie are we talking about this week?
1: Ghost Keeper.
0: The Innkeepers?
1: No, Ghost Keeper.
0: Oh, what is a ghost keeper? Is it, a, is it just exactly what it says? It keeps ghosts? Is it like the Indian in the cupboard and just like collects ghosts?
1: Which, in oh. any, is a more confusing
0: yeah, for so, this movie. So, guys, last week we talked about the stalking, prowling, killer movie with micah Monroe in episode 18. Watcher, or I told you so, your husband's a prick is the name of that episode. Guys, check us out on linktree. We've got that uh, link in our socials on Twitter and Insta. DFM Male Wolf. Um, also. You go there, take RSS, to any of your favorite platforms. We've got that ghoul tier for four bucks. Uh, sign up for that. We will do any episode of any spooky exploitation, action, horror, you name it. If you love it and you want to be one of our DFM ghouls, we'll talk about it. We'll do a whole episode with you. We'll interview you or use a sound clip, kind of like Jake, the Midnight Traveler, seven to 10 minute segment. Um, but yeah, moving right along, we're going to dive in to this atmospheric beautiful setting
1: very beautiful
0: of 1981's ghost keeper um this is a movie that came through during that kind of 8 to 10 year period in the mid 70s to early 80s uh what's called a Canadian uh tax shelter film and that's where you could write off like 100% of your expenses to make this movie (laughs) And people, because of that, went a little crazy or they just had budgetary constraints. Um, unfortunately, Ghost Keeper is a wonderful idea. It is. Uh, to talk about the ancient indigenous campfire story monster of the Wendigo or the Wendingo. Or did the what the hell is the thing called? I think it's... Wendigo. Wendigo. Wendigo, Indigo, the Indigo Wendigo. Where did the Wendigo go right. in this episode? Because we did, really didn't see a Wendigo. Wake me up before the Wendigo go goes, okay? Because he's nowhere to be found in this it's movie. It's
1: like they changed the monster in the middle of this movie. Yeah. And from a Wendigo.
0: I know Jake, the Midnight Traveler, he's going to help us out a little bit later on, I think, if he can make it. Um talk a little bit about what happened to Ghost Keeper. There's some really cool websites out there. There's
1: like that beat and switch with the, the newspaper talking about the ancient giants. So. Yeah,
0: well and we'll get into some of the scenes a little bit later. But um the Ghost Keeper posters, let's just start off with the one that if you have had the privilege of coming across this rare, um, I don't want to call it a gem because that would, um, I, I, this rare finding is what I would call this movie. Um, there's the classic poster. It's, it looks like an early eighties poster. It's white. It's got the pine trees. It's got, uh, Marty's, what I assume is Marty's character, uh, or somebody in a half skeletal looking face, the special edition DVD for this thing. Um, Looks like it was photoshopped together. The one with the red ghost keeper title on it. And this kind of the rando skull in the background. So
1: that's what the Wendigo is supposed to look like.
0: I guess supposedly. But then you scroll down Carrie and look at this beautiful VHS cover for it. And Carrie is utterly confused looking at this thing. Okay. We've got part owl, part, uh, bull, part, griffin part skeleton
1: part dragon i
0: don't i don't see oh yeah the oh part demon because it's got the demon's tail yeah i see some scales on this sucker yeah but but can i tell you the worst offense of this vhs cover okay and it's not where it says um you know that this is uh hitchcockian tradition in nature yes if you look closer there is an aztec temple and they're in the desert Somewhere in Mexico or south of Mexico. And then okay. it
1: says set to the Rocky Mountain.
0: Well, the Canadian Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Okay. But it's but like... but the best part about this is you've got you've got the actual wendigo looking creature. And you've got the what would be an appropriate setting on the VHS cover. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of white people in the snow <laughs> yeah. featured on the back cover. It's like, hey, we tried. We got the idea right, but as far as what we shot, burr. no. <laughs> um, and I, it's no fault of the filmmakers, it really isn't.
1: I, I feel bad, I really wish that they could have made a go of the Wendigo, it would have been cool to see that.
0: I will tell you, I like the idea, I still don't like the look. From what if this was some kind of uh. Sketch of the idea they had for the monster on the VHS cover this part owl demon bull looking thing. There is no way, no way that you could have made that look work in
1: 1981
0: or today. That's a ridiculous looking thing. It, you know, what that thing looks like well, today on the VHS they do, cover? They could do CGI, no, 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 that would make it even worse. I know, unless you were really going to for just like we know it's so bad, so we're just going to keep going as bad as we yeah. can. Type of deal, but no, it looks like on the VHS cover, this guy's idea of a Wendigo, it looks like a My Pet Monster.
1: Uh, I, I, what's the dragon show that the kids watch? Because that's, that's Puff, what I see. The magic no, not Pop.
0: Wendigo. Not Pop. Live down in Mexico near some Aztec temples, or maybe it was the Canadian Rockies. <laughs> what? Listen.
1: The The dragon show that the
0: kids watch. We have spent... I have no clue. We have spent too much time on the poster. Okay, <laughs> there, for this.
1: There's a dragon show. This is driving me nuts because I can't remember the show. The kids were really into it. They don't watch it anymore, but they were at one point. Where you train dragons or they train help. I Listen, I can't remember.
0: So Jim, Ma- Jim Macachuck this was an awesome idea and i give him and his crew and the actors a lot of credit because they ran out of money and they decided to still finish this thing and there was interviews out there you guys can look them up he even said you know he could have just packed it in and called it quits but good on them for making something out of nothing yeah. towards the back half of this film yeah um taglines they're a little long and long in the uh, long-winded who is next to become the keeper of the beast that lives on human flesh i like that one i'm going to go with um the uh the vhs as my favorite tagline their ancestors spoke of the evil being that lived in the mountains too late they heeded their warning does that even make sense to you that last one too late they heeded their warning
1: I would Um, think they didn't heed the warning. Yeah. And it's too late. I think that needs to be worded
0: differently. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little odd. So can I just tell you the other thing that's awesome on the DVD cover of this? There is a person by the name of, um, MJ Simpson, uh, who is a UK film expert he said the last 15 to 20 minutes is tense and horrific treading the middle ground between psychological and supernatural horror. I'm going to have to strongly disagree because any psychological horror was on the Marty characters attempt at taking the oil and putting it on his face and acting like a raving lunatic. I can't sit there and say there was a lot of suspense when I'm in there chuckling. Um,
1: I think he had a breakdown because he didn't know how to fix the snowmobile.
0: I am like, not listen, I'm I'm not listen. shitting on ghostkeeper. I am not. But I can't sit here and say that um that it was tense or horrific. Right.
1: I mean, if you if your only uh, way out no tense if your only on way out of survival is that snowmobile and you don't know how to fix it, I could see where you could have a breakdown. That's
0: but it's it's implying that The spirit of the wendigo or the people there or the curse on the place had kind of taken him over I didn't get that like I I didn't get that. No, I I definitely went nuts No, I definitely did I I I thought that he was kind of taken over by something It's a I have a different perspective on it either way guys This is a solid shut-in. This is a solid snowbound chiller slasher it's not terrible. I no. have, We have seen movies like the Mardi Gras oh, Massacre yeah, that's that really have no spirit, no oomph. Like they repetitive. couldn't even do nudity right. They yeah, couldn't even... When you're making nudity boring, I'm sorry. It's time for a one-star Sluggo rating. But no, this we'll get to the rating on this later. Um, physical media, if you're somebody that needs to complete your Canadian tax shelter collection... <laughs> Or just your Canadian horror film collection, and you're searching for Ghost Keeper, you're going to pay a price to get this. The Blu ray um, is a little hard to find. Most of what's out there is the DVD. You're going to spend upwards of maybe 45 to 55 something on eBay. If you are somebody that you love getting your DVDs from Amazon, you got to get that special edition. 65 dollars before tax and shipping and all that folks I can't justify that at all for me. No Um, maybe I could justify 1999 if you were really a lover of completing a certain very specific section in your collection Like hey, i've got a whole canadian tax shelter section in my I mean There's collectors out there that look they got to complete that look it's like hey or if it were me, here's my Canadian horror movies section. And, and 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 by the way, there's a whole thing out there called maple syrup porn. <laughs> Look it up. Um, there's all these movies made in Canada that are like part, I don't know, lifetime movies where people get almost like get killed or sucked in or in with the wrong guy or the obsessive woman. Um, but made in Canada, and they almost all end the same way. Was this the 90s? I think it was throughout the 80s and 90s. But yeah. The, um, that was it,
1: the height of Lifetime, the 90s.
0: Yeah, so maple syrup. It's a thing. Look it up. It's some kind of tertiary subgenre. I don't even know. Back to Ghost Keeper. Um, good luck, guys, with streaming. Okay i'm not gonna say that it's on an online platform that sounds like (laughs) fooglue or youtube (laughs) it's not on there don't you dare look uh i'm gonna talk now carrie about the creators and the cast okay as we know ghost keeper it's supernatural um cinematography was by the way beautiful cinematography 35 millimeter print film. It looks really fun. It looks like a nostalgic vintage early eighties slasher flick, the setting of Canada, um, the Rockies, the pine trees, the mountains. Okay. John Holbrick did a great job edited by Stan Cole. Um, music by Paul Zaza. Carrie. It was, no. it
1: was enjoyable.
0: Yeah. Now, a lot of the same to note about Paul Zaza, a lot of the same musical cues. You still have to see, um, the prom night movies. He used some of the same music because it was being edited by Stan Cole. I've
1: seen one of those movies, one of the prom night movies.
0: Yeah. But be- because Stan Cole was the editor, Paul Zaza was like, okay, I like to work with that guy. I'll bring along some of my music that I like to use. And that's what got Paul Zaza on there. So he's done some notable films. Um, production company was uh is badly in uh, pictures excuse me um and again directed by jim mackachuck um got a got a few notes on jim mackachuck the cast uh we've got reva spear as jenny who is totally fucking over her both of her boyfriend and the tag along bimbo uh chrissy played by sherry mcfadden murray ord Did not endear himself from minute zero in this movie. Even Les Kimber, the storekeeper, wanted to slap the bejesus out of Marty's character, okay? Um, Les Kimber had a few interesting roles. And Les Kimber, actually, we'll get into some. He was more of a production type of guy. Georgie Collins is the ghostkeeper. She was she She was very good. If I was casting Friday the 13th, the original, and she came in... I'd give her a hard look alongside Betsy Palmer. Yeah. She she would have to make it towards the end at least. Yeah. She was that good in this. Um a lot of stage performers in this one. A lot of the a lot of the um stars, I guess if you want to call it, came from the Calgary area. Um There was also Bill Grove who played Danny and then of course we've got John McMillan as her second son aka the Windigo, okay, if you can call it a Windigo, I don't think we can. No. They can call it whatever they want. It doesn't look it at all. I want to go back to a second to, to Les Kimber, the storekeeper, okay? He's a production manager. That's what his career was all about, and a producer for films like Superman and Superman 3, okay? Where in Superman 3 he had a role as the bus driver. He was also in the John Candy movie, Another Canadian, who's Harry Crumb. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, he looked familiar. Mm hmm. So, there's a whole backstory um, about how this film got made, um, how uh, James McAchuck and Doug McLeod, um, who was a, a writer and producer, got together. They were inspired by John Carpenter's Halloween. They love the idea that you could shoot a film with a small cast in a single location, so that that was their whole driving force was the 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 start of the slasher the golden era of horror um One of Makachuk's friends knew somebody who owned that hotel, okay. And again, we know where they drew inspiration for the actual killer and and what it was supposed to be, unfortunately, because of the budget, they couldn't end up doing what they wanted to, um, lots of budget restraints with this ones. They had to remove a lot of scenes. Um, Georgie Collins. Okay. The ghost keeper, the reason why she's so good, she's a notch above the rest of everybody here. She was a well-known stage actress in Calgary at the time. Um, So, yeah, she was the mysterious elderly proprietor of this lodge, Um, had some minor roles in films prior to this, and then, um, you know, went on to uh, really um, had some TV series that she did. Now Spiver, who plays um, Jenny or -hmm. Spear, I mean, um, she later went on to have a voice acting career. So I thought that that was interesting. So the, this isn't a movie where you're going to go on her and say, you're going to say, oh, maybe, yeah, I've seen Les Kimber before. Yeah, I'm familiar with a lot of um, Canadian stage actors. Uh, yeah, I know who Georgie Collins was. Those two, the oldest people in the cast, the most seasoned, were the best performances. Yeah, you were. could You could have taken Les Kimber or Georgie Collins and inserted them in any popular 80s horror movie, and they would have worked out just fine.
1: Although I'd have to say that the actress who played Chrissy – You really wanted to slap her.
0: She did a good job of being hateable. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay, guys. Now, the location. Because this is, the location is just as important as anything else in this movie. And yes, when you pick apart a movie like Ghost Keeper, you are going to fall back on talking about the elements that do work for it. And that is the setting and the location. Lake Louise and... um, I think it's pronounced Banff. National Park of Banff, National Park in Alberta, Canada. Um they shot this thing in about mm, man, about 3 weeks.
1: Wow, that's okay. impressive.
0: Um now the producer Harry Cole he had talked about how he was excited to do this kind of suspenseful movie in one location along the lines of Halloween, but they specifically also reference Psycho a lot in this movie. And I got Psycho feelings. There's some Hitchcockian vibes going on with this. Okay, I liked that they actually didn't really show a lot of blood in this one. There is that Hitchcock restraint where you see the silhouette of the weapon. And it's like imagination. It's your
1: imagination that makes the movie Mm -hmm. how you view it.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, the distributors, um, they didn't do these guys any favors now. Um, James Macachuk and Johnny Holbrook, they did the best that they could with this movie. And they specifically went for a mood with this movie. And I think they, they were successful in that the setting and the atmosphere is top notch in this movie. Even if the performances or the story, kind of fell through um, half of the time. So, yeah, I mean, not just did Paul Zaza do uh, the soundtrack or the um, score for Prom Night. He did it for another Canadian slasher called Curtains, which you need to see yet. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say it's a half a a notch above Ghost Keeper. And, of course, there's the original My Bloody Valentine he did the score for as well. Okay, so this movie has got some notables, behind the scenes to it so i i feel bad that what happened with the budget because the idea and the setting and everything um it, it, it all, started it out could really been, really it could have ended good. up having at least like a cult following and gotten more popular yeah. over time this one has definitely slipped through the cracks over time um there's not a lot of people talking about this one i understand it i me personally if i had the opportunity to see this at a drive-in or an old theater, I would be like, "Hey, this is especially cool. Like, if it's um, Christmas time or yeah. winter time, you know, the movie takes place on New Year's. But like, hey, yeah, this would be fun to watch this when it's cold outside, or like, you know, when By you watched way, it earlier, it was raining. If you're
1: really have about to have a New Year's
0: party, <coughs> why would you go out and explore? How or how about say, hey, let's take a couple rap- wraps, <laughs> let's take a couple wraps. wraps. I'm hungry. <laughs> let's take a couple laps around our own lodge and not yeah. venture out too far. Yeah, you know." Um, cause I'd rather be back in the lodge being warm and drinking and having sex than getting lost and killed. Yeah. Of course, maybe there's another horror movie happened back to the lodge that they left. The alternate horror movie. Yes. There's wait a second. See, they left the party and they never made it to the real party. The Wendigo said, fuck this place. It went back to the lodge. They came from and all those people got killed by the real Wendigo. Um, (laughs) that's where the Wendigo went. Yeah. It's like, um, Intrigued by these trails and where they come from. Let's check this place out. You find the Wendigo at a hot tub party and up with everybody. Oh, see, the Wendigo's not that bad. And then out out pops John Cusack, the hot tub time machine. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's been a long day and my humor's falling a little flat. Just kind of like Ghost Keeper did, just a little bit. Um, Carrie, tell me a little bit about your favorite character from Ghost Keeper. Uh,
1: so it's actually River Spear as Jenny. Uh, she survives to become the next Wendigo ancient giant mongoloid sun adopter. <laughs> what, uh, the, the creature, I like how you put that. There's the, so
0: many different things that this uh, she could be taken care of. We're not really sure what she's taking sure. care of. We're not sure. Okay.
1: Uh, it, it's a creature-ish. <laughs> Humanish creature uh there's definitely the cannibalism do you want to
0: know what i i keep saying so i posted about this earlier on twitter and i'm like do you do you know who this wendigo looks like you know the the movie shawn of the dead his best friend nick frost yeah it looks like nick frost with some makeup and a bark on yeah doesn't it the it way does. you shuffle it along it's nick frost um I, I'm gonna go with with the most seasoned out of the whole bunch. I'm going with Georgie Collins as the ghost keeper, our mysterious proprietor. Um, is she
1: a proprietor? Well, yeah, she, she just... kind of
0: said that she's been there a long time, and
1: well, just because she's been there a long time doesn't mean she's the proprietor. You
0: make a really good point, and I got to tell you, I didn't dive too deep into this movie <laughs> when we were watching it. Uh, other than the background could have been abandoned of the filmmakers, and she could have just been like, "Hey." Yeah, they kind of. This is the Hitchcockian thing about this. They don't over explain anything. And I do think that that adds an element to it that makes it a worthwhile film. Now worthwhile as in, it's fantastic. No worthwhile is like, huh, this is a quirky movie that leaves me with a lot of questions, but I'm like, Hmm, I kind of like it. It's kind of okay. It's not bad. Um, but yeah, Georgie Collins, she's, she, I just think she gives the best performance of the bunch. Um, There is a lot of reverse Jenny, Jason, Friday the 13th part two vibes going on between her and the Jenny character. Yeah. Um, Favorite death and effects, Carrie.
1: Okay. It's the son who gets impaled on the fence. I mean, you'd think he'd be smarter than that because being that he, he lives there and he's familiar with the property that he would know, hey... I can't jump at her at this exact moment, but no.
0: Uh, Yeah. It's like, okay. Like <laughs> I, I remember there was a split second where that death happened and I wasn't paying attention. It was like, Oh, okay. Uh, it, it, he fell out the window. Um, you think he would be a little bit more, I don't know, aware than that. But um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to go with Chrissy's death. I just thought with a character that, you know, when she's telling that story about how she always wanted to have sex for money and you could tell she's egging the Marty character on and trying to get them all hot and bothered. You thought for sure that you were going to see her butt ass naked in this thing. Like you were going to see her like, okay, she's getting undressed. She's going to be the bimbo with the the blonde bimbo with the breasts in this film. They only showed her stomach. I was like, okay, this like, again, this is psycho S they don't have to show everything. Okay. I thought her death was tastefully done. Not only because of that, but but also because you think that he's just going to come up behind her in the tub and slit her throat right there. But he takes her first, takes her. Okay, um, you see her um, in that. By the way, can anybody explain to us what the hell is a lady's bath room? The the plaque. the outside the sign on the outside says ladies bath i get it it's a bathroom i'm sure we didn't see the toilet in that room but i've never seen a sign like even at a resort even at college men's bath yeah i get what you're trying to do in there but that was just is this a canadian thing is this an english canadian language thing
1: i will say i'm
0: going to the ladies bath
1: i will say if you look at Older places they do like where like there's a bathhouse, they do have it where it's just like a tub where you can wash yourself and that the toilet is separate.
0: You're starting to freak me out as if maybe you're a ghost keeper. You know an awful lot about this lodge.
1: No. I'm just <laughs> no. <laughs> I I, I look into that saying. stuff.
0: Oh, uh, looking to becoming the next windigo mommy (laughs) so um thank you for doing ghost keeper with me carrie because i know you're a little under the weather tonight um i hope everybody didn't have too much residual effects from last week's smoke from the speaking of canada canada the canadian wildfires um pretty certain that you and our daughter were affected by that you got some coughing and inhalation problems going on yeah,
1: i'm having trouble breathing for sure
0: um it's odd though you don't really have any other symptoms um so getting back to ghost keeper Wendigo mommy <laughs> um yeah i mean she gets taken to the ice room which looks like an igloo gets her throat cut there slowly they kind of hang on it for a second and then disposed of for, for nick frost to act to pieces and consume they don't except for that one newspaper. And you see, you even see the mom hacking away at meat inside the kitchen. So I assume that they, they cut up Chrissy and are starting to consume her. But anyways, yeah, it's like, yeah, take the bodies to the igloo for consumption for proper curing and cleaning and consumption. I need to keep that kitchen flowing with meats. Um, I mean, they got to eat. Yeah. It's a very specific yeah. when to go hunting and whatever process he
1: Prefers the women.
0: Damn Nick Frost. <laughs> he prefers the women. Um, there's a whole demonic thing with eating people that like have just recently been terrorized because there's a Russian adrenaline in their blood. I got to really go to a dark place here pretty soon. <laughs> um, before I do, Carrie, what's your favorite dialogue or quote from ghostkeeper act from the ghostkeeper
1: herself my baby, my baby
0: yeah you you very much have the ghostkeeper voice going on with your asthma cold thing going yeah. on um i'm gonna stick i'm gonna stick with the ghostkeeper um how about some nice hot soup you done good you done good he needed us you know that you know i'm not mad at you How about some soup okay i mean it's cold outside take the frickin' soup i guess um marty confronts here's another one marty confronts the ghost keeper about chrissy being gone um and his machine being messed with And she's like, I don't know about those machines. I can't help you. Um, Again, that's the moment where she's hacking away at the beat. Again, I just like the restraint in the movie. I like that it leaves things up to you to fill in the blanks. There's some subtle moments in this one. So, Carrie, that brings us to the rating for Ghost Keeper. Now, let's give a special rating for Ghost Keeper because, Carrie... In an alternate universe where Ghost Keeper gets its budget uh, in check.
1: And they actually get they the wind They finish and
0: they get the wind to go. And everything is just so and it works out great. What would you rate the movie then? Probably a three. Me too. That th- A three, yeah. Or a three and a half maybe if it was really, really a good cult one. But that is sadly not the case. So. Our own very own ghost keeper in this reality. What are you rating it? Two. Yeah.
1: There's just a lot of plot holes. There's no end to go, except for some grunting by a guy in the ice house that is seemingly the ghost keeper's son. Um, you can tell he was added in the last minute. The location is beautiful. The setting is beautiful. I love the lodge. The Ghost Keeper was really awesome. She definitely helped this movie be better than what the rest of it was. I mean, she definitely carries a movie. You know, the whole ripping off, the shining, the Friday the 13th part two. Interesting that we have a Marty and Jennifer here (laughs) four years before Back to the Future.
0: Marty doesn't, the Marty in this movie doesn't deserve that name.
1: Oh, no, he does not. He's no. a
0: dick. He's a he's a robo Chad in this one. <laughs> I don't know. He's worse than ch- he's a worse Chad. He's worse than a Chad.
1: He's gaslighting her.
0: Oh yeah, like hey, I I I told you from the beginning that I'm uh, loose and free, and uh, yeah, you I don't be with own you. me. You don't own me. Yeah, like uh, you need to just be okay with me cheating. Oh, by the way, let like, let me further he, put some salt in the room and womb <laughs> in the
1: room. Maybe in the womb. I don't know. Oh,
0: God, don't go there. It's like Arthur Clown. But, um, yeah, you're crazy. Just like your mom. It's not bad enough that he's just like, okay, I could get it. Yeah. And you if like you
1: spending g- my money. If you
0: guys were swingers and you were like loose with your relationship and it's like, Hey, you know, we're not serious. We're just having fun or whatever. That would be, that would be fine. But then he takes it one further and has to gaslight her and like, Oh, well, you're acting this way. Cause you're crazy. Not because I'm some asshole prick and an adulterer and all that good stuff. Um, I'm, I like it a little bit more than you because I'm going back to the Ghost Keeper performance um, and because I'm going back to the setting, um, the atmosphere, the cinematography. <clears throat> it, it's a really fun, solid 35-millimeter you know, Canadian tax shelter slasher. Two and a half out of five, just a little bit higher than you. Um, just because of the ridiculousness of what happened in this movie, given the financial issues towards the end, uh, I said it earlier. I appreciate that they powered through and finished the movie. You could tell that this was pieced together. I, um, you know, I, I think I agree with most people that when they say, "Oh, what are the good things about Ghostkeeper?" I've talked about it. Some of the other performances outside of the the store key the storekeeper and the ghostkeeper um, were kind of unintentionally comedic, and I think the Marty character actually ends up being the weakest link in this movie. Yeah. I actually think that the movie would have worked better if it was a group of women, like a bachelorette party, and they decided to go a little further. Um, again, example of Canadian tax shelter movie gone wrong, unfortunately. I'm glad it exists and it's continued on. Oddly enough, they restored it in a 2K format. It's like, um, we can't get it all the ways restored to 4K for some reason. Um yeah, They're guys. the money. If you're searching for something on the rarer side that you haven't consumed consumed yet, you like to turn off your brain, get a piece of Canadian C grade slasher that isn't great, but isn't downright awful, and then it's worth, you know, the 85, 90 minutes of your time. Fun shut in movie to watch on an ugly day outside.
1: It, it was fun.
0: I've got I've got no real problems with it other than you could see what unfortunately happened to their budget.
1: There was so much potential.
0: That you could tell that it had heart. You mm-hmm. could tell that there was something there about Ghost Keeper. It just it kind of didn't have a chance. They had to piece it together towards the end. Hey, you know what? There's worse movies out there, guys. That brings us to a 2.5 out of 5 flamethrowers. <laughs> guys, that brings us to an intermission. Um, Carrie, we're already next week. We're at episode 20. <laughs> <clears throat> Where, hey, speaking of Al- Alfred Hitchcock... Um, we are going to have an Alfred Hitchcock special next week of the movie with Jimmy Stewart. One of them. Anyways, rear window. Yeah. And we actually own that. DVD. Mm -hmm. Now guys, only in a few weeks, we've got beach party bonfires and blood month. Episode 21, June 30th, the lost boys episode 22, July 7th, blood beach episode 23, July 14th, the beach house, episode 24 to round out beach party bonfires and blood month july 21st the howling and we're going to be coming to you from our vacation at the beach in ocean isle and uh we're going to be doing those last couple of episodes that month hey directly from the beach because why not um now we've got a bonus episode that we're working on for over the next couple of weeks and hopefully weather pending nobody gets sick yada 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 We plan on interviewing Kim Yates, owner and founder of Kim's Crypt and Haunted Mill, right down the road from us in Spring Grove, PA. Uh, If you are in the mid-Atlantic or Northeast and you are somebody that likes to travel, that's willing to travel, you know, a few hours or even a long distance for a haunted attraction.
1: It is the scariest attraction I've ever been to.
0: Outside of signing up for like an extreme haunt with a waiver, which which Kim's Crypt has done. And you're not getting me to do that. Okay. travel to kim's crypt and haunted mill there's like i don't know five to seven attractions that we're gonna hopefully be talking about with kim real soon
1: i i would actually hurt somebody
0: i believe it there's a whole story and maybe we'll add that to that bonus episode your story uh or mishaps and haunted attractions (laughs) but i love you guys segment two horror etc we're gonna take a moment to appreciate two men who had an impact on our horror film and literature education and then we're gonna talk excuse me, about our top 10 Canadian horror. Love you guys. Talk to you later.
2: Bye. Just one minute to go.
0: And now on with the show. Okay, guys, we are back for segment two or et cetera. And Carrie, I'd like to take five segment segments. F- excuse me, guys. Five seconds of silence for both Treat Williams, who passed away in an automobile accident, and Cormac McCarthy. Um, both of those guys had a big influence on our filmography um, just, uh, and literature, just take five seconds. Think about those guys just to honor them. And we'll talk a little bit about their work. I'm going to now, after that moment of silence, start off by talking about treat Williams and treat Williams is a guy with <laughs> a long uh tv series tv movie movie filmography i mean we've got a guy that has spanned his work has spanned gosh let's see here since the 1970s oh wait a second we've got the male wolf okay we've got okay jake jake has returned midnight
2: travelers back to give us his thoughts on ghost keeper case and Carey. shit we ran out of money and we still gotta show a monster Uh, quick, John, put on this parka. And Carol, uh, throw that bucket of water on him. stat. Greetings, my pals in peril. This is Jake, the Midnight Traveler, and I bet you are already wondering what the hell I'm talking about. That's pretty much a common occurrence with me when I start talking sometimes, but if you stick with me here, I promise that all this jibber-jabber will make sense by Journey's End. As of this writing... I am here in the middle of an intense Texan summer where the high for the next two weeks will be in the triple digits, and for some reason you two want to dive into the Canadian winter wilderness and chat about some ghosts or some nonsense? Well, I am always up for a challenge, and this week's film, Ghost Keeper, was that. Let's get down to it, folks. A tax shelter is defined as a financial arrangement made to avoid or minimize taxes. Tax shelters are legal and can range from investments or investment accounts that provide favorable tax treatment, also to activities or transactions that lower taxable income through deductions or credits. And a popular pick for these kinds of things are movies. Yes, many of your favorite films were made simply as a tax dodge. Does that mean the film is garbage? Hell no! Man, for us horror junkies, there was an embarrassment of riches north of the border in Canada between 1975 and 1982, which resulted in a mess of great horror films like My Bloody Valentine, The Changeling, the aforementioned Death Ship, Terror Train, And literally everything David Cronenberg did between those years are but a mere few of what we got out of that deal. But what does this film from director-producer Jim Makachuk, does this one belong in that previously mentioned pantheon of Canadian greatness? Well, let's chat about that and we shall see. What you have here is what can best be described as shining light. You have three city folks who get stuck in an old hotel for a few nights while a storm rages outside. An eccentric woman, played well by Georgie Collins, keeps watch on the place and whose customer service skills leave a little more than something to be desired. Still, it's a solid start to a horror film. The acting, the cinematography are pretty good, and a decent mood has been established. However, it's around the beginning of Act 2 when the whole thing, like an overfilled taco on the dashboard of a Jeep during an earthquake, falls apart. The internet, to me, will always be like the reference section of a library on steroids. Massive amounts of information there for the gleaming And when you are as crazy as I am, you want to dig as deep as you can into your favorite music and movies and madness. And you tend to come across things that can drastically reshape your view of things. Well, this time I could understand why this one turned out the way it did. Plain and simple, the production ran out of money and had to wing it the rest of the way. Period. The monster that was supposed to be at the heart of the whole thing was, and I kid you not, some guy wearing a wet parka who walked slowly towards the camera. That was it. The rest of the film had to carry itself with a few chases and some clever camera tricks to get to the final act. Personally, I don't think that they stuck the landing. That being said, any filmmaker will tell you that no matter how good you are, your movie will suffer if you run out of money. If you don't have the means to do what you need to do, then you simply just can't do it. True, you can cut corners and pray for the best, but that is asking a lot for anyone in that situation. I don't hold any of this against the filmmakers here. I believe that this could have been a better movie if they had more of that green stuff to go along with that white stuff. And I do mean snow, people. I honestly want to like things. I've lived long enough to honestly say that I am someone who doesn't like to rant and rave about long lists of things I despise. I'd much rather rant and rave about things that I like and love and turn others on to things that put a smile on my face. I also want to give the benefit of the doubt to all of those behind the making of this film that it would have been better if they would have had what they needed to achieve their cinematic goals. Would a remake of this be a bad idea? Well, if they can secure a decent budget, then maybe this is one of those that does need a second try. I think that should do it for me here tonight, folks. I must be on my way. The Wendigo somehow followed me all the way over here, but I think I can turn him to my side simply with a dry parka and a hairdryer. See you next midnight, Jake.
0: Yeah, Jake, uh, you, you sent me some links that really helped out to, uh, to help us to understand what happened to Ghost Keeper. It's a shame, but hey, there's worse things, my man. Miss you, Jake. Hope to talk to you real soon, buddy. Um, and by the way, Carl Casey, wipeout Audio, I think this is the last time, Kerry, we're using one of his tracks uh, called Videodrome. Yeah. Always love your stuff, man. I'm looking forward to picking out the next one to use for the next uh, few episodes before we have our own kind of rock and roll surf horror theme for Beach Party Bonfires and Blood Month. Moving right along to 1975. Again, Treat Williams Filmography. <coughs> Pardon me. And, of course, I'm starting to lose my voice. I'm going to pick out a few. Deadly Hero, where he plays Billings. The Ritz as Michael Brick. Marathon Man, okay? And yeah, that Marathon Man. He's just a random, uncredited Central Park jogger. Plays Captain Harry Clark and the Eagle has landed. He is in 1979's movie, Hair, Mm -hmm. as Berger. Carrie. He was in the 1941 comedy as Corporal Chuck Stretch Sitarsky. He was uh he was actually an uncredited echo base trooper in Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, huh. which I thought is really cool. Um, he was in Why Would I Lie, Prince of the City, The Pursuit of DB Cooper, Neapolitan Sting, played Jack Dempsey um, in a TV movie called Dempsey. Uh, he played Stanley Kowalski in a TV movie version of a streetcar named Desire. Um, he played Jimmy O'Donnell in the Great Once Upon a Time in America was in Flashpoint, American Playhouse, Smooth Talk, The Men's Club. Uh, He played J. Edgar Hoover in a TV movie. Um, Echoes in the Darkness, Sweet Lies, Night of the Sharks, um, The Third Solution. Here's what a lot of horror fans fans know Mm. him as is Dead Heat, Roger Mortis. Yes.
1: He played Aaron's dad in The 127 Hours.
0: Sorry, who is that?
1: The 127 hours where the hiker, uh, climber gets hurt and has to like chop off like his arm. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. I didn't, I don't remember that. Um, he was in an episode of tales from the crypt. Uh, he was in some TV movies like bonds of love, um, parallel lives, Texan, good advice. Johnny's Girl, the TV movie, the Late Shift TV movie. Uh, he was in the movie Mulholland Falls as Colonel Nathan Fitzgerald. Um, he played Billy Burke in The Devil's Zone. <clears throat> he was in the movie The Phantom. He was in Deep Rising. That's another good one. Um, I mean, you guys can check out the rest of his filmography on IMDb. But um, he even... He even uh, was a voice on The Simpsons in an episode as Treat (laughs) Williams about 10 or 11 years ago. Um, I always say like you're a part of you make it to an animated show that's super popular like that as a voiceover. You've you've done pretty good for yourself. Um, Yeah, Treat Williams. That's a great shootout scene in Dead Heat. Yeah, I think you still need to see Dead Heat, Carrie. Yeah, Oh, that's a great one. Um, Now we're going to move on to Cormac McCarthy. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, folks, who for me is my favorite author of all time. Um, he's done books, you know, starting way back, like the orchard keeper. That's kind of like an isolated mountain movie or excuse me, <coughs> book, um, like this based in Tennessee, you've got movies or excuse me, but I keep saying movies. Well, some of them have been turned into movies. A lot of them actually, um, <coughs> You okay, honey? I'll just keep on talking. Blood Meridian or The Evening Red in the West. I'm hoping that that one gets turned into a movie at some point. You've got All the Pretty Horses, um, The Crossing, Cities of the Plain. um, Two other ones that were made into a movie were No Country for Old Men. We know what that one's all about. You're going to have to excuse Demonette here because she's not feeling good. Um, The Road. We all know that one with Viggo Mortensen, the post-apocalyptic one where the man and the boy are traveling the world after there's been um, kind of like an unspecified apocalyptic event. I just can't believe, I I guess I didn't realize that Cormac McCarthy was almost 90 years old. Uh, This guy, I mean, you're talking, what, about 60 years worth of memorable dark literature? Now, some of it received like a, just kind of a so-so response, but it seems like his stuff takes, oh, I don't know about either somebody that's an A-lister takes it, loves it, and it's a hit right away, or it takes about 10 or 15 years for it to take hold. You know, not only was Cormac McCarthy a novelist, he was a playwright, he was a screenwriter. The thing about why I love him is the writing style. There is kind of a nihilist way about some of his books especially Blood Meridian um, No Country for Old Men and of course The Road there are some very bleak novels that he writes um, and not being somebody that is you know reading you know there's some people that just have their face in a book nonstop. stop I would say Carrie you are somebody who read I would say in our childhood you probably read twice as much as I did that's a pretty safe assumption
1: uh, yeah I always had a book in my face
0: but um, I think the reason why this spoke to me, there were so many authors that I loved that there, there weren't that many male authors outside of Dean Coutts and Stephen King that I attached myself to. And Cormac McCarthy stuff was too heavy for a kid. Too heavy. So I didn't actually discover Cormac McCarthy probably until my early, no, 19. I think I was 19 the first time that I had read Blood Meridian. So yeah, around the time I started college is when I got into Cormac McCarthy. Um, that I have that one. You gotta be in the mood to read Blood Meridian because uh, it's a gut punch after gut punch in that movie. Or excuse me, in that book. The problem, that's the problem with somebody who's so awesome when their books get turned into well-known movies. And of course, Carrie, No Country for Old Men. Oh yeah, that was a really and, good movie. And, and The Road is also a great movie. I, I mean, you could just Call it a career after writing those two books. And again, All the Pretty Horses, Carrie, um, is another one that I know you're familiar with. Um, I'm laughing at the at his first book, The Orchard Keeper. <laughs> thinking, is there a crossover with The Orchard Keeper and The Ghost Keeper? No. Uh,
1: I, I was thinking of <laughs> a different kind of keeper.
0: What's that? What? I'm so confused right now. <laughs> so, guys, we're going to move on. Because we're not going to give those two gentlemen their due at all. And and again, rest in peace, Treat Williams, and rest in peace, Cormac we McCarthy. We actually
1: considered calling our son. Cormac. Cormac. Yeah, yeah.
0: because I loved it so much. Um, I'm glad we went with the name that we went with. Yeah. Zombie Tudes is a great name. <laughs> <laughs> um, top 10 Canadian horror films, carry. And you know what? I'm going to rattle them off. And you could just say, disagree, I love that pick, or I forgot one. Okay, number 10, I'm putting Ghostkeeper in here. You know, we're reviewing it, we spent time on it. I think that there are other ones people would say, "What? You're putting ghostkeeper in here. Come on, there's 50 other ones that I would put above that. But you know what? I'm giving Ghostkeeper its due because I think it was a great idea that only really got to be half executed on to nobody's fault, and it still turned out okay. It's There's yeah. worse things out there. I'm going to give Ghost Keeper its deal. And the fact that the filmmakers and creators and cast, they stuck with it to the end, even though they were dealt a bad hand. So props to Ghost Keeper, number 10 on our top 10 Canadian horror films list. Hell yeah, Ghost Keeper. Number nine, Richard. I was going to say it again. Krenada <laughs> Richard Krenna and Arthur Kennedy. I'm shipping them. It's a thing. Okay. In Death Ship. Glung Glung clunk clunk this is kind of like jaws because everybody loves jaws (laughs) number eight the void carrie i remember that. the cosmic horror sort of like thing but stuck Mm -hmm. in a hospital sort of deal um that's one that people talked about a lot for the first year or two that that was out nobody's really talking about the void anymore number seven We watched this for the first time this past year, Pontypool.
1: That was really good. Great movie. Great.
0: Number six, with Sir John Saxon as the cop again, (laughs) Black Christmas. Hey, it's me, Billy. Um, number five, My Bloody Valentine, which, uh, had to throw that in there, if nothing else, for Jake the Midnight Traveler and his lady friend. Um, Number four, I know you like number four, Terror Train oh, with yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: I love that movie. <clears throat>
0: uh, number three, speaking of tracks, Carl Casey, Videodrome. I love Videodrome. It's so funky. I love that movie. Talk about a dark ending. Number two, Ginger Snaps, Carrie. I enjoyed that
1: very I freaking very much. love Ginger Snaps. We yeah. need to
0: watch the other two. Yeah. Um, we've only seen the first one. Number one, <clears throat> George C. Scott, The Changeling. Great, classic haunted house movie. Tied with a bow with George C. Scott's tragedy with his you know, wife and kid getting killed at the beginning of that one. Very spooky and atmospheric. And I, I think the Canadian location in that one helped it too. Canadians had the benefit, I think, of like a frontier-like northern setting. There's something naturally spookier about shooting a movie in the north. Like, think about Fargo, even. It's got that look, that basicness, that wilderness about it. I've kind of related to the idea of what happened with the Friday the 13th franchise, where the first two movies you could tell you were in a northeastern, mid-Atlantic woods. They went to the third one and said, that's not fucking Crystal Lake. They're in California now. So that just goes to show you that setting location and the atmosphere looking at you, Joe Bob, it's more important than I think a lot of people give it credit for. I think setting an atmosphere can save an otherwise kind of bad movie. It can turn it from awful to solid, That that's my feelings on atmosphere and setting, um, honorable mention to hello, Mary Lou prom night Two. Which you need to see that one for sure because it's got our guy Saza, who we mentioned here, scoring it, and basically, Carrie, it's a Canadian version of a Nightmare on Elm Street, hmm. is what it is. But instead of a burnt dude, it's like a basically a date, a prom date. The prom queen comes back through, some possesses somebody, and starts killing again. Okay, and then scanners. I can just see yeah. heads exploding right now. Uh, that does it for Horror, Etc. in episode 19, Ghost Keeper. Try to keep this one a little bit lean and mean. Uh, love you guys. Carrie, any closing thoughts before we go?
1: No, just thanks for sticking with us and thanks for listening to us. And sorry if last week's episode was a bit of a downer.
0: <laughs> we brought you up with the Ghost Keeper. Yay! That's right. <laughs> Not every episode can be depressing. It's only some of them. But at least this this week. If you haven't heard of Ghost Keeper, I hope this helped you uh, to discover it if you haven't already. And uh, sometimes you just need one. Like I would say this and Death Ship are like cousins. Yeah. In terms of that two Canadian movies, you can turn your brains off. (laughs) Because you have more than one (laughs) I
1: was just (laughs) going to say. How many brains do you uh, have? Let me turn
0: off my auxiliary brain. (laughs) And uh, just... That, actually, Death Ship and Ghost Keeper would be a fun double feature. So there you go, guys. Love you. Take it easy.
1: Peace out.